The word of God comes to us from Galatians 5, verses 13 through 17. Hear the word of God. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, Let's pray. And so, Father, we would thank you that we are now engaged in a process that is uh, bringing to to the surface our need. Uh, Father, we need you to intercede right now for us uh, with truth, with light shining into the darkness. I thank you for uh, the word of God that is living and active and sharper than any any two-edged sword. Uh, It is actually able to get right to the heart of what we do, why we do it, uh, the goals, the reasons. Um, And so we ask that you would uh, have your way with us, and we would, in the end, uh, when we uh, rise and sing our concluding hymn, we will give you thanks, and we will also express thanks by changed lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, there's the text, uh, Galatians 5. We're just uh, sort of airdropping down into this text. We're going to be here just for a moment. Uh, In Galatians 5, we have the Apostle Paul speaking to the Galatian uh, church, and uh, likely a series of churches in that uh, that area, and he's speaking to the area of the flesh. Um, We're doing a series, a short series, called The World, the Flesh, and the Devil. And uh, these are the things, this unholy trinity, uh, if you will, uh, that is opposed to us as believers. let me highlight uh, or illustrate a, a little bit about what the flesh is, and I will be sharing uh, a number of ideas and perhaps at times repeating myself and going at a particular, uh, well, the, looking at the flesh from different angles, uh, but there's a cartoon that I have. It's a little clipping. It's a very simple little clip of uh, two cars. One car is driving along the edge of a cliff. Uh, the other cl- car is on the cliff being held up by a little twig. And there's two people who are very nervous inside that car being held up by a little twig. And then there's another couple driving past, and they are talking to each other. And the wife says, now, Bob, if we pull over, we'll be late for Bible study. Now, that, that is a little indicator um, of, of what this text is about. And that is that um, that's a couple motivated, uh, uh, humorously illustrated there. Uh, they're motivated by a greater law, a greater law. And the law of their Bible study is don't be late. But there's a greater law than that law, uh, and that is the law to love your neighbor as yourself. Would you not all agree? So uh, this morning, what we're going to unpack is this strange tendency 
that is within us. It's called the flesh. It is that we, in particular, add to the gospel. The gospel's good. We make it better, so we think. So the gospel is this free grace. Jesus has obeyed everything. He's the dutiful one. He's the righteous one. He's the obedient son. He gives all that he has done for us, and only by faith we receive it, and we are righteous. We're adopted. It's, there is no uh, merit. It's all uh, against works righteousness. But, but we, in our flesh, there's a particular tendency of the flesh, and I'm just going to really highlight one aspect of it today in this text, and that is that we uh, have a, a propensity, a proclivity to, to add to the gospel. Uh, codes of conduct, uh, ways of living. Um, and the Apostle Paul actually has to tell the Galatians, look, uh, the great commandment is to love one another. If you keep going in these fleshly tendencies, if you keep going, you are uh, not only going to bite and devour, uh, not only uh, uh, bite and, um, let me find my text here, you will not only uh, bite and devour, but you possibly could cons- be consumed by one another. Uh, what he means by that is you're going to destroy each other. Now, uh, I wish uh, 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 my Christian life would have started with some training in the flesh to understand his tendencies. Uh, as a young youth pastor um, uh, in, a, in a church that was fairly fundamentalistic in its view of dealing with people's problems. And that what it was was essentially, when you, if you had a problem or a struggle, really what you need to do is recommit yourself to the Lord. You need, you need to surrender. And the most important thing you could do is come forward in church. And then there would be actually dialogue as to whether or not, since you're struggling, maybe, maybe you're really not even converted. There would actually be discussions with people like that. And um, so you'd have these outward um, steps that people would do to deal with their struggles. But the flesh um, is actually functioning in some of these codes of conduct. The flesh is very, very hard to detect. It's very, very hard. In fact, um, I'm going to suggest that your flesh is not going to like this message. I'm going to suggest that there is going to be a habit of mind, a way of being, a way of thinking, where you are going to somehow, by whether, I think this is conscious, but maybe the word unconscious fits, you're going to actually avoid the detection of God's word. The word is shining, the light is coming into your heart, the light is shining into your mind, and, and, and there's a way in which we, we sort of avoid it. The flesh does not want to come out and say, yes, I, I'm adding to the gospel. Yes, I'm adding some code of conduct that makes me feel approved. Yes, I'm forgiven, but I love feeling approved. You see that distinction? So the flesh is extremely feisty. It's extremely stealthy. It, is, uh, it comes with a host of excuses for our behavior. Um, and um, the flesh uh, wants to stay under the, the radar. And the Apostle Paul is uh, calling the Galatians out. He's saying that you were called to freedom. What happened? You, you added to the gospel, and that's a serious thing. In fact, to do that is to lose the gospel. It's not just that there's, a, there's the church down the street that's kind of legalistic, and they've got struggles, and, and we have a sense that they, they sort of add to the gospel. Folks, uh, there is no gospel there if the gospel's being added to. 
That's how serious it is. Read the book of Galatians and see what Paul says. Uh, He's uh, fearful that the Galatians have actually departed from the true gospel. Well, we do that that in a very clever way uh, through the flesh. The flesh, um, uh, the only way we can really uh, perceive the flesh is to actually have someone speak honestly, um, Scripture today, Word of God preached, but perhaps in a fellowship group, perhaps in an accountability situation where you are close enough to people where they can pick up your fleshly tendencies and they can speak into your life in order that you would enjoy the freedom of the gospel. So I want to just look at awareness of the flesh is kind of the first idea. And then alertness to the spirit is um, kind of the second idea. And then being adept um, in gospel hope. Perhaps it's uh, grammatically more correct to say adept at. You know, think you're, you're, you're good at something. So adept at uh, gospel hope. So I want to look, look at those things uh, this morning. Let's get a feel for the passage real quickly here. Look at verse 13. You were called to, underline that word, uh, make it, that word should, should be circled, starred, um, highlight it. Um, you were called to freedom. Brothers, Only do not use your freedom, now watch this, as an opportunity for the flesh. Uh, You might pause and just say that the flesh loves loves opportunities. The flesh loves um, adding to the freedom of the gospel. The flesh is uh, is restless. It's... it's, uh, it's feisty and it has energy and it doesn't uh, feel comfortable with just the freedom of trusting in Jesus. But through love serve one another, verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word if you are interested in law keeping. The The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then here's the contrast, here's what the flesh is doing. But if you bite and devour one another, Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I had an opportunity to speak to one of the top theologians in our, in our day right now. His name is Sinclair Ferguson. Years ago, I took a class from him on the Holy Spirit. And uh, during a break, I, I was asking him questions about the flesh. And um, if you really want to be uh, precise as a theologian... Uh, Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm just struggling with my old nature. Well, you can only have one nature at a time. And uh, you either have an old nature or a new nature. So if you're a Christian here today, you have a new nature. Uh, But what is this flesh? So I asked him, well, how would you define the flesh? And he said that it is the residual effects of sin. The residual effects of sin. Perhaps to illustrate it one way would be when you unplug a radio. I don't know if you've noticed, there's about two seconds where the radio is still, still playing. You've unplugged it from the power source, and it's still, uh, still got energy in it. <laughs> and, um, well, you've been unplugged from the power source of sin, as it were. In other words, the Bible presents in Romans 5, 6, and 7 that, that sin has been... Um, a tyrant over you, and it has been dethroned. It's been knocked off its throne by Jesus. You have a new king, a better king, Jesus. But the residual effects of sin, that uh, energy still running through the radio, is still uh, moving through your system. It's in your body. It's in your personality. Um, it's, it's, in your, it's in how you... It's a, it's a mysterious thing. But it's, it's kind of how you are still actively resisting 
redemption. You're still actively, uh, in, your, in your pride, your pride is still there. Your unbelief is still there. Your, your fears are, are still functioning. And in many, many ways, the best way to get started with the flesh is to at least detect it. To at least say, yes, that is. That is my fleshly proclivity. I, I see that. Um, and so the residual effects of sin, maybe that helps you. Um, these are these... Uh, these residual, this residual way of being uh, in your judgments, your assessment of others, your response to your circumstances. Um, uh, so that is just amazing. So it, it, and I am so grateful for leadership in this church where we, are, uh, we, we want to bring the gospel to bear um, on our fleshly tendencies. And, and this, is, uh, this is something the pastor has to deal with. Um, we all are struggling with this, this, this way of being. Now, it shows up in two particular ways. Uh, pride, uh, and, and pride kind of looks and goes into, well, two manifestations. Uh, self-aggrandizement, uh, a way of boasting the self. That's what's going on here in Galatians 5. In the, particularly in the Galatian church, a way of, uh, well, yes, Jesus is okay, but this really makes me approved. So uh, a boasting of the self, so pride is behind that. Another aspect of the flesh is simply sensuality. And, uh, and Paul lists that later in Galatians 5, where we think of sexual immorality. Uh, self-indulgence would be another aspect of, of, uh, of the flesh. It is deeper than just isolated sins. Listen to that. Deeper than just isolated sins. Um, uh, some of you have been to the carnival where you have that, that game with the gopher sticking up, the whack-a-mole thing, right? Okay. So in Christian circles, we play whack-a-mole, you know, where you just, uh, that, 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 that lie, uh, that gossip. And so we're kind of banging and trying to find the mole, and, and it's a lot of work. Because we're not really getting down where the mole is living. <laughs> we're just getting him as he pops his head up. So awareness of the flesh is hard, but it's also the key uh, to help, to getting help. So uh, let me give you another illustration. If, you, if you're not fidgeting in your seat yet, this might do it. Um, Sunday morning, sometimes I see people in the parking lot. And, and they're trying to put a smile on their face, and it's been a rough ride. Anybody want to raise your hand? What is it about Sunday mornings? Why Sunday mornings, arguments, um, hostilities, uh, dissensions? I don't know, you're leaving the, uh, the kitchen, and uh, maybe you can have someone over uh, after church, and you can't believe that um, your spouse has left the kitchen that way. What's going to happen? That's happened in our house. That can't be. Pastor's kitchen's got to be beautiful. Uh, your kids are running, you, running late. You're going to look bad. You come to church late. Uh, you made a nice breakfast. No one noticed. Mm. There's that noise in the car that your husband hasn't fixed on the way to church. It's, irrit it's irritating you. Why? why? It was it several weeks ago, wasn't it? What's the deal with you? You show up at the Bible study, and you're the only one who's read the passage, and you, you're the only one who's ready. What's up with these people? Why do I have to bear with them? 
So what's interesting is that in all those areas, you have been a law dispenser. There's the law of the kid clean kitchen. There's the law of little children can't make you late. There's the law that says I'm, if I make a nice breakfast, I must be noticed. There's a law that says, don't you understand, I said fix the car. There's a law that says, just do your Bible study, and you will find approval, and you'll be okay. Um, so, we are all vulnerable to the flesh. What are, what are the Galatians doing here? <laughs> well... They have, uh, they have done this. The gospel, Jesus, it's all good, it's all important, and it's all needed. But what really puts you over the top is circumcision. That's the Galatian heresy. And Paul says, man, uh, if I still preached circumcision, I mean, if I was still out among the Judaizers, that they're called the Jews, who were throwing rocks at him in towns, if I was still preaching circumcision, I wouldn't be getting stoned. <laughs> That's what he argues. But I'm, I'm preaching against law righteousness, law-keeping righteousness. I'm preaching against it. I'm preaching Christ alone. The Galatian heresy is Jesus is good. But uh, this uh, act upon the flesh really is what makes you approved by God. And Paul goes right after it. So here's an insight. The flesh is, really, is very religious. The flesh is religious. It is restless and it is unhappy. And to believe the gospel is really counterintuitive. Uh, if someone compliments you on the breakfast and you have this law of always compliment me when I make a nice, nice breakfast, when someone does compliment you, it is, it's visceral. It feels, you can feel it. It, it. it runs right through your system. It feels great. You, you, you were affirmed. You were approved. If you're, you're always taking pride in something that makes you good and then you get affirmed in that area, you don't need a savior. You don't need Jesus. He's very, very distant. He's, he's, Jesus is a long way away. He's, he's lost in the dustbin of history because you are functionally, and this includes me, you are functionally living without a Savior. You don't need one. All you need is people's approval. And so the Galatian heresy is deeply rooted in religious pride seeking people's approval. And be careful. You want that approval so badly that you bite and devour other people. How do I know that I'm under law? Well, how are you treating people? How do I know that I'm a law dispenser? Well, are you loving and patient and uh, gentle towards people? Not really. Now, I've overused this illustration, but it's just, I'm going to just keep milking it for all it's worth. Years ago, no one, know, no one knows who these people are, so I'm going to use this illustration. A couple came for counseling, and he held uh, several grudges against his wife, and the key grudge was that he, that he had instructed his wife where to put the Tupperware in the dishwasher in the upper, upper rack. And she did a terrible thing. She put it in the lower rack where the heating element would destroy the lids. Now the Tupperware no longer worked. I'm in a counseling session with a couple, and he's telling me about this great sin, the Tupperware sin. <clears throat> So uh, I helped him a little bit, and I said, well, um, so you have Tupperware righteousness. And because she violated your law, the law of the Tupperware top rack law, 
Because she violated your law, here's what you are now free to do. You're free to condemn your wife. That's what's behind all our lawmaking. Uh, our lawmaking is giving us a, the, uh, the excuse to no longer be bound by God's law, and we now are free to condemn people. So, uh, <laughs> in the language of Tim Keller, here's just the question for you. What makes you good other than God? Right now, I want you to think about that. And you know what you're going to do by thinking about it? You're going to feel the last gasps of the flesh's energy, that, that, that two seconds of energy in the radio, the, the flesh is screaming right now, oh no, oh no, I've been detected, oh no. Let the flesh be detected with that question. What makes you good apart from God, apart from the gospel? You see, it's interesting that in Christian circles, we do not actually believe that the flesh is operative. It's one of the, uh, it's a strange thing, whether or not it's the world, the flesh, or the devil, there's, a, there's this, this, this unholy conspiracy going on that if you would just remain in your flesh decades after decades where there's no renewal, then you are now no longer a threat to the kingdom of darkness. You are not involved in mission because you are consumed with your law-dispensing Tupperware righteousness, whatever it is. You are just consumed, and it can go on forever and ever and ever and ever. You, you, you can have just lists of laws. You can become the next Moses and just list away. You go. And, and, and it happens in churches all the time. You just continue to consume one another because there's all this sort of law violation. Now, let me, let me speak to those of you who are not Christians here. I want to confess on behalf of every church you visited that you have in some way encountered the flesh of religious people. I want to confess for them that, that they hid the gospel from you. And I want to confess for, you, for this church that in some way, uh, my flesh periodically must get in the way of the gospel. And if you're a Christian here, we're all contributing in some way or another to the stoppage of the, of the character of the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace, and patience, and goodness, and gentleness, and all this beautiful love, uh, e expression of love from the Father to others. We, we get in the way of that. We've been made for mission, and the self is, is, uh, is confused. The self is is in darkness because of the flesh. And so become aware of the flesh is the first key. Secondly, Paul just summarizes. He says, look, walk by the Spirit. It's just right there. He just speaks very clearly. He says, walk by the Spirit, verse 16, and you will not, listen to this, gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh has impulses. The flesh has, uh, it cries out. The, the flesh is essentially saying, oh, you're not going to bank on me? Whoa, whoa, wait, I've been here for you. I'll come through. You, you're going to turn away from me? And it could be self-indulgence. It could be sensuality. It could be self-aggrandizement, uh, the, 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 the boasting of yourself. The, self is cr the, the, the flesh is crying out, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, you don't understand. Where, where are you going to go? Who can take care of you? Who can come through like me? 
And Paul says that the Spirit will slay the desires of the flesh. Is that good news? That's good news, folks. There is available to us the Holy Spirit of God who is committed to our good, our joy, our holiness, our freedom, and we are commanded to simply walk in the Spirit. We'll unpack what that may mean. And you will not fulfill the the desires of the flesh. And so, clearly the Spirit must be driving us to Jesus Christ. To pause and to resist the flesh's cries and to turn and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me about Jesus. Holy Spirit, comfort me from the scriptures. Holy Spirit, I am weak. Holy Spirit, I am addicted to my old ways of being. Holy Spirit, I stop. I will commit serious relational sin if I continue to listen to my flesh. Holy Spirit, I am dependent on you to help me not dispense law. I am disappointed in someone, but Lord, help me give them grace. I've been sinned against, but oh, Father, the sins that I have committed against you are greater. Galatians 5, 6. Paul says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. It doesn't count for anything, but only faith working through love. I would suggest uh, the illustration uh, from John Owen, who was one of the great Puritans, and uh, if you will uh, accept this illustration because it is very graphic. He said that the flesh is like a man who's being crucified. And when he's first on the cross, he, has, he comes with all his strength. He has all his strength. He's crying out. And then John Owen said, resist, and the next wave will come. And the next wave, the next wave is a little less strong. The next attempt is a little less powerful. And the next wave is a little bit weaker, and the next wave is a little bit weaker. The Puritans called this mortifying the flesh. Uh, Mortify means to kill. And we are called as a people, as God's people, to kill the flesh. And the Spirit is available to us to grant to us overwhelming desires that overwhelm the flesh. Think carefully. When your Christian life, when, when you're thinking about the, the Christian life and it is firing on all cylinders... Take a three-by-five card out this afternoon. Write to yourself. When, when you, have, you are feeling great about Jesus Christ, the gospel, when things are going really well inside you, you are happy, you're content, you're not irritable, you're not feisty, you're, you're peaceable, you're, you're kind, you're, you're gracious, and things are going well inside you. Pause. What is going on inside you? Ask yourself, what is going on inside me when, I, when, when things are going well with myself and God. And here's what I would suggest. You're doing two things really well. You're expressing faith and you're repenting. That's what's going on. And we've said this so many times. A new believer who has almost no instruction in these things is doing those things really well. That's why they grow so fast. 
they're really suspicious of themselves. <laughs> Just really suspicious. And uh, they are expressing faith and repentance over and over, and they are firing on all cylinders. They don't really know all the dynamics of what's going on, but that's what's that. And then joy is the, the, the satisfaction of the gospel is overcoming the satisfaction that the flesh is crying out, oh, no, no, you can't abandon me. Oh, I've been here for you. Uh, and so we are fooled by the flesh and believe that its desires are going to come through for us. And you know, veteran Christian, you know the bitterness and you know the relational wreckage that happens. You know that 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 bitter argument that you've had with your spouse, you know it's going to lead to no, nothing good. And you know that the flesh has fooled you again. And the hardest thing for us, and speak, speaking of those who are married here and those singles, you could, should be able to identify with this. The hardest thing in marriage is when you are right. The guy with the Tupperware was right. But he wasn't right enough, right? Meaning, it's very hard to, to, to have said something, to have been the prophet in the house, and it comes true. And you could, you're like a rooster. You just, it, it's extraordinary. You, you just, you're a prince in the house. You just want, and the kids, they all bow to you. So, how wise daddy was. It's, extra, it's extremely hard to be right. And the flesh wants to just hammer people, condemn them. The only thing that matters, Galatians 5, 6, is faith working through love. We went to Maui this week. It was a great trip. There were four PCA pastors cruising around. We realized there had never been a Presbyterian church. We learned this uh, on the island of Maui. Uh, we did work. We were not just laying around the beach. So. And um, sadly, we learned that on Maui, there is a King James-only church. Now, uh, when I'm with other churches and other ministers, I check my guns in at the door. It's like the old saloon, you know. Uh, but I had to admit, when I heard that, I was carrying a small little sidearm down by my ankle. Do you know that Jesus died, and he was buried, and he, 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 he was raised from the dead, and he ascended on high? And he is now Lord over the English-speaking church. And a church that's, that speaks a 500-year-old English. That's why Jesus died. Do you know that? All of you should say, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. Folks, you, 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 can't, you can't do that to people. You, you can't add something that makes the gospel fuzzy and unclear. Uh, now, that you may say, well, that is just cutting it too fine, Pastor Todd. If they want to have a Bible version, and that, that's their deal. But I want to know how they're using the King James. The Bible that leads to grace and, <laughs> and denies law-keeping 
is being used as a, as a bludgeoning instrument uh, to keep people in line and, re- and reading the correct version. Uh, we need, as a church, to cry out to the Spirit of God that we would uh, be humble, uh, we would be courageous for the gospel, Galatians, that's what Paul is, he's bold, but we would also look carefully at our codes of conduct because in our codes that we add to the Bible, add to the gospel, listen carefully, in those codes, you do not need faith. You just need the right kind of Bible. So walking in the Spirit is fulfilling the law. It's interesting that these people who wanted to be such law keepers were actually violating the one law that they should have been keeping. That is, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a beautiful irony here. The Spirit is prompting us to be alert to the gospel. Uh, R.C. Sproul writes these words in in a book on the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, you are empowered to love. He says that I don't control, I don't need energy to manipulate, I accept, I understand, I enjoy, I bear with, I don't expect, in his words, instant sanctification from my brothers and sisters. I would say that is what it's like to walk in the Spirit. Um, May your experience of the flesh trigger, and it's an indication, there's, there's a heart response, there's a way of acting, and you know it is contrary to God's grace, and, and may you detect that as God leads you, and then turn to the Spirit and say, oh, help me remember. We have to move uh, through repentance and faith to being a church that is exposing the deeds of the flesh regularly. We should not be surprised that they show up uh, in church, in our church life. We shouldn't be surprised. But we were called to freedom. Uh, One last uh, thought, and that is think big and think grand of the gospel. Uh, That we would be a church filled with dozens and dozens of people who are skilled at recalling what Jesus has done to deliver us from the flesh and its tendencies. May we become adept uh, at gospel hope. Uh, We would be surrounded with people who are skilled with what matters. That's Galatians 5, 6. That's how Paul argues. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. The only thing that matters or counts is faith working through love. Uh, Fathers, uh, disputes, arguing at the home... Watch what, it, what has replaced God's good agenda for you. And what matters is now someone winning an argument, someone be, uh, proving that they were right. None of that matters. Only faith working through love. And one good question to ask yourself is faith working through love in this disappointment, in this Problem in this hardship, in this difficulty, am I responding or uh, in a godly way, or is there an opportunity for the flesh? May we move from being a dispenser of law to a dispenser 
of the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Galatians 5.22. What does that look like? Joy, peace, patience. They're all relational. Uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the movement of the Spirit among people who are actively aware of the flesh and its power and its deceits and through the Spirit and God's truth putting it down. There's a pastor named Roger Wiles and he writes these words. Be blessed with these words. Whatever God requires, listen to this, whatever God requires, and that's your impulse of the flesh, I've got to have approval, whatever God requires, it is Christ who meets the requirement. Whatever duty is owed, it is Christ who dutifully obeys. Whatever price that needs to be paid, it is Christ who has paid it. And we are in Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit who effectually calls us, gives us saving grace, leads us to godly repentance, justifies us by Christ's imputed righteousness, and sanctifies us for good works until heaven is our home and sin is no more. And so, Sunday after Sunday, may you cry out that line and refrain from the hymn that we have already sung. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And God will be faithful to do that. Let's pray. Father, these, uh, these are areas that are part of this remaining darkness that can be overcome by the light of the gospel. Father, we are, we are a church that is crying out to you, take our struggles, take our hearts, seal them for your courts above. Father, if there is despair in this room where the flesh has just so overwhelmed someone, we pray they would cry regularly to you and you would empower them through Jesus Christ to live in all that God has said about them, that they are approved, that you are joyful about them, that you've received them, that you do not hold their guilt against them and you do not hold uh, your law against them and that they are free, they are free, and they are free. Make our homes like that. Make our church like that, that we might be about your mission, that we might think of those who are still enslaved and do not know this freedom. We cry out to you, make us a church like that. In Christ's name, amen.